You asked, we answered. Many of you have asked that each show on the Man of God Network be transitioned to its own RSS feed on iTunes or the podcast app that you use. We've heard your request. Each show on the Man of God Network is now available on its own unique RSS feed. This makes it easier to search for previous episodes, yet all of our shows are still connected on one channel. You can find this by searching the Man of God by CBT Seminary channel on iTunes. If you've enjoyed our content, please consider subscribing to each show on the Man of God Network channel as we move content over. And thanks for listening to the Man of God Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Welcome once again to the Pastor's Inbox on the Man of God Podcast Network brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. The topic of our discussion today is elders and elders meeting. And so in this conversation, we're going to be talking about um, where we get this idea in Scripture. We'll talk about how um, elders should conduct themselves in elders meetings. And we are thankful to talk with two pastors, Pastor Lee McKinnon and Pastor Joe Wilson, on this subject so I'll just ask this first question, and um, we'll get started on our subject. You both have mentioned in a previous episode that you are one of multiple pastors at the church. So where does the Bible teach this practice of being one of multiple pastors in a local church? Uh, I'll be willing to start uh, answering this question. This is Pastor Joe Wilson from Owensboro, Kentucky. Um, to answer your question, Brother Austin, I think we might as well ask, where does the Bible teach the single elder practice? Um, one pastor of a church, where is that taught in the scripture? I personally have become convinced, and I didn't start my ministry believing this, but I've become convinced, I believe from scripture, that uh, the one pastor uh, model is an instance where we have, like the Pharisees of old, we've let tradition take over what the scripture actually teaches. Because I find that wherever the Bible addresses the subject of pastors, um, elders, overseers, all of those synonymous terms, I believe, when the Bible addresses the subject, it usually, if not always, refers to more than one elder in a single uh, local church, and there are many passages in Acts uh, which show us this. For example, Acts 11 and verse 30, uh, when the uh, uh, church at Antioch wanted to send relief to the uh, churches at Judea, it says they sent that relief by the hands of Paul and Barnabas to the elders, plural. Notice how many times you find that word in the the elders who were in the church at Jerusalem. Acts 14, verse 23, Paul and Barnabas went about strengthening the churches, and one of the ways in which they did that is they appointed not a single pastor for every church. It says they appointed elders, plural, in every church. In Acts 20, 17, the apostle Paul called to him the elders, plural, of the church, singular, at Ephesus. Again, it's a plurality of elders. Paul told uh, Titus, 
uh, in Titus 1 and 5, to ordain elders in every city. James 5 and 14 says that if a man is sick, he should call for the elders, plural, of the church, singular. Philippians 1 and 1 is another example. Paul wrote his letter to the saints, including the overseers, plural, not the one overseer, overseers, and the deacons. So eldership plurality uh, is taught in Scripture, and, and there's a good reason for that. It comes to us uh, from a wise and a good God. It's good for the church's care to have more than one pastor. It is good for the protection of the church, and frankly, it is very good for the pastor himself to have more than one uh, elder. So that would be my answer. Uh, Brother Lee, got anything to that? Well, yes, I, I think you, you've brought in a number of the, the verses very clearly without uh, trying to exhaust all that Scripture says on it. Uh, a text that especially comes to my mind is that 1 Timothy 5.17, where you have uh, those elders who rule well, uh, deserving uh, uh, double honor, whatever that means. But it says that especially those who labor in the word and in doctrine. And that text shows not only that you've got a, the idea of a plurality, but uh, different functions uh, among the eldership. The one who rules well, who's not laboring in the word and in doctrine necessarily. Uh, the one who is laboring the word and doctrine, he also presumably is ruling well there. But the point is, you can have a man who his primary function is not the uh, major public ministry of the word. He still must be able to teach, but that uh, uh, he is ruling well, and even such as would deserve that double honor. So uh, that that points to a parity of rule uh, as well as a plurality of rule and the different functions within the eldership. And uh, well, it's a, obviously very biblical. And I would just agree with you, Joe, that I think that, you know, you, you see the wisdom and the kindness of God yes. uh, in, in setting forth a plurality of elders uh, as the pattern and then his constant uh, kindness and providence by equipping churches with a plurality of elders. So mm -hmm. that would be my thoughts on it. Well, um, backing off of something you just answered in that question, elders do rule, and if they're going to rule, it seems as if there should be good communication amongst the elders um, of, of decisions that they're going to make together. So um, by implication, hopefully, if there is a plurality of elders, they, el hopefully the elders meet together. So we want to talk a little bit about um, elders meetings and what an elder meeting might look like for the pastors of a local church. So without sharing any specific details, um, I'll let either one of you start answering this. What does an elders meeting usually look like for each of you in your respective churches? Well, this is Pastor Joe again. I'm, I'm willing to uh, uh, start out with that. Um, and by the way, there is no uh, no uh, scripture that tells us exactly the order. So I'm not setting anything forth here as how it ought to be done in every church. But I can I can our elders meetings go. We meet once a week. 
uh, one of us, uh, the same elder usually sets the elders agenda. Uh, he sends that to us early in the day that we're meeting, which is uh, a Wednesday. We meet Wednesday afternoons. He'll send us the agenda early and then early in the meeting, he will ask us if there are any additional items that uh, we want to discuss. And then he will add that to the agenda. We always begin the meeting with prayer, uh, asking God's blessing, asking for humility, asking for wisdom. But also we try to pray through our, our church uh, families. Each one of us will take one family in the church to pray for so that we cover uh, at least three families every, every time we get together to meet, uh, asking God's blessings upon them, asking for conversions for their children, praying for any specific trials uh, that they may be going through at that time. Uh, then we'll usually, uh, thirdly, we'll review um, the previous Lord today. Uh, any, anything we have to say about the services, maybe we've noticed someone was absent that you know where so-and-so was. Anyway, we have retrospect on the Lord's day, and then we'll start addressing the agenda items uh, one by one, uh, coming to any uh, actions that need to be done. Usually uh, one of us will say, okay, uh, can uh, I can take care of that. I'll contact that person. Uh, whatever needs to, whatever action lines need to be done as a result of the uh, items on the agenda. And then at some point, uh, we'll always go over a prospective order of service for the upcoming Lord's Day. Uh, which is usually prepared by another elder, and that's submitted to us early for us to review so we know who's doing what uh, on the Lord's Day. There have been times when uh, an elder has forgotten he was what he was supposed to do, and and uh, a little bit of temporary confusion about, well, who's going who's gonna to do the prayer of confession if someone else forgot, to, forgot that he had it? But... Uh, that doesn't happen often, and that's why we go over the order of service. Um, many times in our elders' meetings, we meet with members who have various concerns or problems, um, or we also use the elders' meeting to interview those who are seeking membership in the church. Our elders' meeting usually lasts an average of two hours. The, the last one was two and a half hours. But uh, sometimes they're more, sometimes they're less. So that's in general some of the uh, the way our elders' meetings go. Lee, you need to add anything to that? Well, uh, I'm glad that you dealt with elders' meetings because uh, since there are only two of us as elders here in Bluefield, and uh, and my uh, co-elder schedule in the past has just been so cram packed that we actually do not have uh, official weekly. Uh, meetings. Uh, we stay in touch very, very regularly, uh, and especially by phone, uh, addressing many of the matters that uh, uh, you have mentioned there, uh, Joe. And, and we also will have meetings like for in membership interviews or pastoral oversight meetings. You know, we would meet together uh, mm -hmm. in, in those connections. Uh, one of the problems with the way we have been doing it, though, and maybe there'll be a, a change coming as his, uh, my fellow elder schedules and lacks up a little bit in his outside employment. But uh, I say one of the problems is, is that really it does not facilitate uh, times of, of praying 
together. You know, when you're on a phone conversation, uh, it's not like you're going to have extended times of prayer that way. So uh, I think that's something that uh, should be included. I think you're right, Joe, to, to emphasize that, that you brethren there in Owensboro are right to, to give that such a major place uh, in your, your weekly elders meetings. So. Mm. Well, continuing to carry this conversation along, um, again, we don't need any specific examples uh, of any particular ministry circumstance in the church, but uh, I would guess that there are going to be times that elders in church disagree with one another about um, a particular decision to administrate it or how to go about it. So um, maybe not being too specific about a specific circumstance, what some examples of things that must be in agreement with and what are some other examples of things that they can or may disagree with one another about well i'm willing i'm willing to answer this also lee unless you would rather take this one first uh well i i would simply say as to what they must be in agreement about uh their subscription to the confession of faith uh, that's obviously vital, uh, but also their submission uh, to the church's constitution. Uh, that has to be uh, vital in their uh, agreement. Mind you, that's vital in their working as pastors and even being members of a church. But, but I would say that uh, uh, in, in those things in particular, uh, they must be very much on the same page and stay there. Uh, but, Joe, I throw it back to you. Um, yeah, I agree with that, uh, uh, Lee, and that's uh, <clears throat> that's what I had first. Also, um, I, they must also, I think, be in on any major decisions regarding church uh, polity, church vision, uh, church direction, uh, because you don't want pastors uh, leading in two or three different directions. But I feel like if you're in confessional agreement and if you're in constitutional agreement. Uh, I, I can see it on, only rarely would we disagree on those other things that are so vital uh, to church unity. Uh, whenever we, we're not on the same page, uh, we as elders, we will we'll often table a matter and say, let's pray about this for a week. Uh, let, let's wait. Let's see if God gives them some direction, because we always try uh, to come to unanimous agreement, uh, and especially if uh, if if it's anything major, uh, we want to be a united eldership. So it's not uncommon for us to say, all right, let's table this. Let's pray about it. Let's wait on God and see if he makes it uh, plain to us so that we're all three in agreement. I will say as an elder, not saying that, that I excel at this, but, but an elder has got to have some humility. Uh, an elder has got to be teachable. An elder has got to be willing to be proved wrong, and he's got to be willing to change his mind sometime. I'm not saying he should deny his conscience, but there are times if you've got an eldership of three, when uh, one elder may have to be willing to be outvoted and move forward, again, without denying his conscience and saying he believes something he doesn't, but he's got to be willing to move forward without causing any kind of major problems on minor issues. Mm -hmm. And if I wanted to, I could maybe give illustrations where, where probably uh, everyone in uh, every one of our three elders 
has maybe been the minority. This rarely happens because we seek unanimity. But when we said, okay, you brothers feel stronger that way, uh, I'm willing to go along, uh, go along with you in that particular thing. Again, as long as it doesn't call on you to deny your conscience. As to things elders can disagree on, uh, if it doesn't involve the confession, the constitution, and, and major direction of the church, uh, we can be willing to lovingly disagree on many other things. Hmm. Uh, one of our brothers is from Michigan. One of them is from Kansas. I am from North Carolina, and we pastor in Kentucky. We do not agree on basketball teams. <laughs> we, we, have, uh, we have some disagreements in those areas, and that's okay. And it has not affected the fact that I love my flock, even though most of them are UK fans. And uh, uh, we get along just fine. Um, I'm a North Carolina fan. Brother Austin is a Duke fan, and we get along fine. Here we are on the same podcast together. <laughs> because the bonds that are in Christ certainly supersede any kind of um, meaningless things like basketball teams or any other teams. I'll say this also. It's okay to differ on doctrines that do not overturn the foundation of the faith or upset the unity of the church. And I think you said, what are some examples? I am one of those in the vast minority who believes that the sons of God in Genesis chapter six are fallen angels. Neither of my fellow pastors agree with me on that, but we still get along fine. I personally take the position regarding what is it? Chapter 10, paragraph three of our confession. Uh, I take the position that all infants dying in infancy uh, are saved, go to heaven. I, I don't take the position that they're not sinners. I take the position that they're saved. Not all Reformed Baptists do that. I think while my fellow elders would hope that's true, they don't quite have the confidence that that I have and, and Charles Spurgeon and many others have. I respect their uh, their respect for the Word of God, and uh, but we don't have to agree on that. And it doesn't cause any problems in our church. Um, and an elder, you've got to allow for some other opinions on some of the minor, and I'm talking comparative, com comparatively here, the minor doctrines as opposed to the major doctrines of the faith. Lee, got anything to add to that? Yeah, and, and of course, I mean, who of us can say we're going to be in full agreement on on the interpretation of every particular verse in Scripture? Uh, you know, we may have very different takes. I mean, just look at good and godly commentators and how you you, you wonder at times, does anybody see eye to eye on these things? Uh, and yet, it's not major issues, but but different uh, takes on it. And and I think that uh, that you're going to have those. I mean, the Apostle Paul said in. 1 Corinthians 13, 9, we know in part, and if Paul says we, including himself, know in part, then certainly it befits us to, to say the same. And I think what Joe has said about uh, the humility and, and uh, uh, being ready to uh, even acquiesce at, at times, submitting to uh, the other uh, elders' judgments, uh, I, I think is, is very, very important. I would also say this, Joe's already intimated, 
when it comes to action that's taken by the eldership or the church, uh, certainly before any course of action or changes, or so there really either needs to be an agreement, or in some cases, I can recall one eldership, they would do nothing uh, unless it was a matter, of course, requiring uh, absolute attention. Uh, but the point is an elder does not want to do anything unilaterally. If he's in a plurality of elders, he always needs to think in terms yes. of my fellow elders and let me uh, talk to them. Let me get back to you or when there's an elders meeting to be in an agreement there. So uh, that I, I think uh, I, I'm glad that this question was 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 brought up because it is so so important uh, for the friendship of the relationship of elders but especially for the good of christ church amen hope this conversation has been helpful for those listen especially those that will aspire to pastoral ministry we do pray that the lord would grant uh, healthy pluralities of elderships in local churches And um, we hope that this conversation has been profitable for you as we consider elders meetings and how to uh, appropriately relate with one another on things that we agree with and disagree with amongst elders. As usual, you can submit your questions to pastors inbox at cbgseminary.org or send your question to the Facebook page for Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. Until our next episode, we wish you grace and peace.